Welcome to the Pop Podcast. It's Rian Roussos here, and each week I join Brittany Klein for a conversation to help improve your points of performance when it comes to training. On this week's episode, when you need to take a rest day, we're joined by a guest who's very near and dear to the both of us. The three of us navigate how and when you should rest and the importance of a deload. Also coming up, that red hat at Wimbledon. It got us thinking, should we question some of the old rules and traditions of our favorite sports? All that and more on today's episode. All right, guys, welcome to episode number four. We have a new guest. On the episode. Although most of you probably know who she already is because we talk about her all the time. It is Jordan Troy. Hi, everybody. So if this is your first time listening, uh, Jordan is kind of like, I I feel like you're the the glue that holds us together, right? (laughs) We were friends and you introduced me to Riz. And I don't even know how we became friends, Jordan. (laughs) I actually don't 100% know how it happened except that it happened all of a sudden definitely when I first met you I was just like thought that you were the yoga girl so didn't really see you as a a friend (laughs) prospect at that stage but you know you were a right to chat to sometimes (laughs) how did I make the transition from yoga girl I honestly think you sent me a screenshot of a workout during lockdown and you were like I think you'd like this and then all of a sudden we were training together and then, I don't know, BFFs. So we need to fill in the blanks. Then you and Riz became friends and then it was like overnight we were all friends. I mean, my first impression of Riz was when she was, well, we've, just, we've discussed this since then. And then part of the problem was probably because it was a Friday night and she doesn't usually coach on a Friday night. So she was probably just not impressed. Uh, um, that's completely accurate. <laughs> I was not impressed at all. <laughs> But I walk in and I'm just there to do some, I don't know, Brittany and I were a little bit crazy at the time trying to just squeeze every single thing of the program in that we possibly could. If it was written on the paper, we had to do it. <laughs> we had to do it. So I walk in, I'm like, hey, I'm Jordan. I'm just here, just going to be doing um, some skiing and some some kettlebell lunges just in the corner. And everyone's like, yeah, that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> and I don't remember any interaction between that and then the quarterfinals and you were just like, yeah, your snatches are okay, but I can make them better. And I'm like, well, be my best friend, bitch. Okay, that is not how it played out <laughs> at all. I remember her coming up, she was snatching and I was like, oh, like I gave her a, like, like a little pointer. And she would, and then she, I remember she messaged me and she was like, she's like, so when are we going to be snatching? insinuating that she was like we were going to do a training session together and I was like oh okay we're we're training now I was like well I'm going to train it this time and then all of a sudden we were all training together that was how that happened and pretty much that is how we all became friends and as we've explained in previous episodes this is what the group chat is like so (laughs) that's true you know welcome to an insight of the bullshit talk that goes on but How's everyone's weeks been in terms of like training? You guys are on the island. Explain to anyone over in America or even anyone in Brisbane, what is the island in inverted commas? Jordan, you can do that. I'm forever explaining this to to anyone that asks. I usually just refer to it as the island because it's easier, I suppose. But it is 
up in the Sandy Straits, um, just behind Fraser Island, which is a pretty well-known um, island in Queensland. Um, basically, from Brisbane, you drive about three, three and a half hours um, to a boat ramp on the coast, and then you just jump on a boat, and it's like a 20-minute boat ride. Um, and then we've got a few like family holiday houses here. Me and Jordan have become friends, and I've just been like, what are you guys doing this weekend? She's like, well, we're going to the island. And I was like, guess I'm coming. So now me and Matt <laughs> have attached ourselves to the island as well. This uh, podcast has really become quite a, a travelling circus. Every weekend I feel like someone's in a different place. So we have expanded to the island. <laughs> yeah. I, I woke up to a, a photo of you guys fishing yesterday. Did you catch any fish? Um, Oof, bit of a sore subject. Well, that one I was holding, <laughs> that one I was holding was probably the best one we got for like three hours. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's more about the serenity, you know? <laughs> um, also in our group chat, we've been like, I mean, there's so many things that we talk about, so many videos we share. Speaking of, I think we should repost on our Instagram those girls who were doing those bar muscle up flip overs because by the time I come back home to Australia, that needs to be us. Yes. Well, that's what I said. I was I was insinuating that everybody was getting to a certain level with their bar muscle ups, that this is definitely going to be all of us with Sam by the time you come back. So, what, uh, How would you explain it to anyone listening who hasn't seen the video? They like do a muscle up into... Like a flip? It's like, no, it's a muscle up into like a forward roll over the bar. And then they, do they kip back into another muscle up? Uh, we'll, we'll post it so you guys can watch it. We'll share it. But I don't it know about you guys, but as I've, yeah, <laughs> as I've gotten older, I get really scared. And so like, I've, um, I think I posted a video a while ago, a good progression for finding the positions in a muscle up is meant to be a pull up, pull over. Mm. But I find that, so you, the pull-up is fine, and then you throw your legs over, but that little minute where you, like, like roly-poly around the bar, it gives me this adrenaline rush that I hate. It's so scary. But, like, as a kid, you would have been like, wee. Or when people <laughs> post their videos of their first muscle-up, they always do a roly-poly over, and it's I'm like... adult fear. <laughs> oh, because you know the consequences. Yeah. You're like, I could fall. This is really high. Who's doing that after their first muscle-up? I reckon, I reckon it would take me five minutes to show you guys, people. Do you not see that? No. Do you not see those I, videos? I uh, just I, can't imagine doing my first fucking bar muscle up and then just roly-poling it. Like, I don't know. I'm too busy. I'm too busy up there celebrating or in shock. I don't know. My first thought isn't like, you know what? But it'd that's be cool. their celebration. They're, they're like, Whoa. Okay. It just seems too planned out. I don't know. I guess I'd be like, okay, here goes my first bar muscle up. Oh, didn't get it today. And by the time I finally got it, I'd be like, oh, I forgot to do the roly poly. But it's because people who post the video, they're like, quote unquote, my first bar muscle up. And you know it's not. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. their 15th. You know what I mean? Looks Anyway. But I was going to say, another video that I posted in the group was Nick Kyrgios yeah. during Wimbledon. Um, we all know the Wimbledon dress code rules are very strict. Mm. Um, competitors must be dressed in suitable tennis attire that's almost entirely white mm. and this applies from the point at which the player enters the court surround. Yep. Why then would you walk onto centre court with bright red trainers on and do an interview in a red cap? Because um, I do what I want. So you're above the rules? No. I'm not above the rules. So what is it? Do you, they don't apply to you? Well, um, I just like wearing my Jordans. 
But sorry, no, I'm just sorry to say, Nick's just moaned about the controversy that surrounds him. I haven't moaned. I love well, it. Well, you've laughed it off, so, so that's all part of it, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's more attention for me. What's that saying? Any publicity is good publicity, right? If you say so. Okay. Keep doing you then, champion. <laughs> now, I, I sent it to you guys as a little bit of a backstory. Jordan and I love tennis. Mm -hmm. Like, being a sports reporter, I'm right into tennis. Like, I just, I don't know what it is about it. But I have to admit, when at the end of the press conference, when he's like, you do you, champion, had to have a, a good laugh. Like, it was funny. But what do we think? Was it dodgy him breaking the rules? Or does Wimbledon, like, need to get over it? That it's, you know, like your triple whites. We'll start with you, Jordan, who is a, a tennis fan through and through, especially, and, and Sam as well. What did you guys reckon about it? So, I don't know. I want to sort of, like, sit on the, not sit on the fence, but I can kind of, like, a happy medium here where... Like, Wimbledon is by far, I think, the most, like, prestigious of the tennis slams, that's for sure. And when you hear all of the, like, the champions talk about winning Wimbledon, they always describe it as, like, when they were a kid, they always dreamed of winning Wimbledon. Like, I don't – I've never really heard – anyone in a speech be like oh I've really dreamed of winning the US Open or you know like the Australian Open like it's it, even Ash Barty was like this is the pinnacle of my career then she retired once she won yeah she was like I'm out of here like she'd won like this the French and the Australian and like and obviously they mean a lot too but I think that Wimbledon is definitely like the holy grail of tennis that's for sure and I think part of that is because they do have such like standards and it is so prestigious and part of that I think is definitely wearing the all white so I I like keeping that that way but if you want to wear a red fucking hat like afterwards in a press conference or you want to walk onto the court wearing different coloured shoes, I think whatever happens before or after the game, you do you, champion, you know? You do you, champion. I actually laughed out loud. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just such a rat bag. Um, but I guess it extends to beyond tennis. And, and Riz, this is probably a good question for you. But like weightlifting is the same. Mm. It's, a it's, very, it's an institution. Yeah, it's a. I think while you know we had we were talking about this on the way up, and we, same thing we're talking with Sam, and you know Sam was explaining that there's been some instances in tennis, especially where women have had. There was one girl in particular. Who was it? Jordan? Do you remember? Oh, can't remember. The black Sorry. sports bra. The, I can't remember mm, the name. Yeah. But she had a black sports. She was at Wimbledon. And she had a black sports bra, and you could just see the outline of her black sports bra, and she was made to change it on the court or she was not able to wear a bra at all. So she actually had to end up playing the tennis match without a sports bra on, which Imagine. is just like, to me, that just seems so ridiculous. So it's like, I, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what we're trying to achieve. And like mm. you said, the same things mm -hmm. happen in weightlifting. We have these ridiculous standards. It's like, you know, there are certain things that you can and cannot wear. You have to, and while some make sense, there's one in particular that I just do not understand. And it's that you, and it only got brought in not long ago. This is only recent rule is that you cannot touch the barbell with your foot. So say you do the most beautiful lift ever, you get three white flags, you drop the barbell to like leave the platform and the barbell rolls back towards you and you stop it with your foot. You do not get the lift. That's so dumb. It's so stupid. So I just, when I sit there and you, we have this, you know, 
there's like a certain reputation and for sure I do believe that you know if you're choosing to participate in the sport if you're choosing to participate in Wimbledon if that's what their requirements are I get it but then there are some that just go too far it's like you mm-hmm. and I think again Sam made a really good point with the woman with the sports bra it's like everyone should be checked before they walk onto the tennis court same thing with weightlifting it's like you know why is that why is me stopping a barbell rolling towards me especially one that's probably heavy and if it's bounce or whatever so i'm stopping it with my foot why is that like disrespectful it just doesn't make any sense to me i feel like with tennis and wimbledon like jordan said it's such an institution weightlifting is kind of like an old sport god we've had this conversation before that maybe there should be competitions where it's a complex um like crossfit is bringing more young people into weightlifting i think i mean i probably i wouldn't i wouldn't change the you know the foundation of that and that it is a snatch and a clean and jerk probably wouldn't go towards the complex thing but you know like the way in which they um i guess they treat their athletes i guess the way in which they you know um I, I, you know, there's so much controversy around the IWF and just basically funneling money out of this sport because they're just paying themselves and they're paying off people and all of that stuff. There's so many different things that are just like drawing all of the money away from athletes. That's what I think fundamentally needs to change. You know, if we want to continue these sports, I think there needs to be like a reshuffle of who is in power and where all of the money and the funds actually go. Mm. Back to the the barbell with the foot thing. Like, was there an issue with people kicking the barbell? Like, I'm just trying to figure out like what like what the <laughs> hell that's all about. And the the only thing I can think of is that like I don't know, missed a few lifts, gotten a bit angry, thrown a minor tantrum. You know, we I think we've all been there. And and one of the things I have done before is you just kind of like you just give the bar a bit of a kick, you know? Like, it's like, obviously the bar's fault that you couldn't fucking snatch it today. So, obviously, you just give it a good, good, good little kickaroo. <laughs> it, like, is that is that where it came from? And can the rule not be, hey, don't kick the bar, but, like, if it's going to bounce towards you, you're allowed to just put your foot on it respectfully, you know? Like, I think you can tell the difference between, like, a respectful touch of the foot and giving it a massive kick, you know? I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to confirm this, but I'm pretty sure it's, it is, like, a sign of respect in the sense that, you don't touch the barbell with your foot. Um, like, it's just like you don't touch. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's but more. But what of if a, it happens accidentally? It does. And it does imagine happen. Imagine the, the best the time. lift. Like, the lift of your life. Yeah, Riz, imagine if it's your 100 kilo clean and jerk. No. And you accidentally touch it, it touches with your, your foot. Toe. That's what I mean. Well, we're pretty. We're getting pretty good at these tangents every week. So it's kind of become like a weekly segment of our a weekly tangent. Um, but I like it. Let's chat about. We decided because you guys have gone away for the weekend, and you know, we're fishing chilling. couldn't be further from your snatch complexes. <laughs> we thought it might be good to talk about when it's time to take a rest day, mm. uh, and taking time to rest and recover. I mean, Britt, I feel like I feel like you're probably living the rest and recovery dream right now and (laughs) you know it's been a huge change for you in the last six months so why don't you give us a rundown on those things that have changed for you yeah well I'll start at the beginning I used to train seven days a week sometimes two a days because I thought that was how I was going to get better 
narrator, it is not. <laughs> um, <laughs> Spoiler alert. So when I met you, yeah, it is not. Um, and I think it was, it's actually around the time that we started training together, Jordan, you were like, I do three days on, one day off, two days on, one day off. And I was like, <laughs> what a loser. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't actually know how it started. Then I was kind of like, I guess I'll do the same thing too. And I noticed that that was when, you know, you can give a little bit more in workouts. Um, so rest became a, you know, just, just what I did. But it wasn't until I moved to America where, um, yeah, like Riz said, I'm living the dream. I only work kind of when I want. <laughs> um, and so the biggest thing for me, I haven't really changed how I train, um, but I sleep probably nine hours a night, if I'm honest. And I now just train Monday to Wednesday. Then on a Thursday, I sometimes do the active recovery on the program, but like I've probably done it five times this year. So some, that's a, it's a rarity. Um, I will sometimes go and do some like skills with Chelsea, um, but then Friday, Saturday train again and Sunday complete rest. Like I had one day actually where one of the members from the gym asked me to go and judge them during the Masters quarterfinal on the Sunday. And I was just so angry that I had to go to the gym. <laughs> I was just like, I shouldn't be here. This is so wrong. But I definitely think like the, the weights that I'm able to put on the barbell now are things that six months ago I didn't think would happen so quickly. And the mm -hmm. only thing that's changed is not the effort that I'm putting in in the gym. It's not the time that I spend training. It's the time I spend recovering and listening to my body when I've had enough. Like, and yeah, like it's, it's made the biggest difference to my training. And I think as well, meeting both of you girls and seeing how, like I feel like you're both two or, or maybe Riz, you're three steps ahead of the journey than me. But seeing these guys are really good and they're actually putting less effort in in the gym and now we often we often joke about it Jordan and I but I don't know how I physically did it the amount of training that I used to do but I now know I think the output was about the same as what I'm doing now but it's just you put more into the actual pieces and you're getting the stimulus mm. and then you rest and then you do better and this is the first year as well in the open where I've really tapered back and I'd take a full rest day, like doing nothing the day before the Open. And it was by far the best performance I've ever had. You know, that was proof of, oh, like you get the rewards, you rip the rewards from resting. And now every now and then I will admit, guys, I'm like, should I be resting or am I being lazy? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just like, no. <laughs> I think if you feel lazy, you're doing the perfect amount. Yeah, I think if you're, if you're feeling lazy, you're like, you're crushing it. I now, anytime I go back to the gym in the afternoon, like to coach or something and I want to do something, I just practice skills or practice things as opposed to being tempted to do that um, second piece. And like there's a time and a place. Obviously, elite athletes are doing that second session, which is a zone two. But we talked about this last week on the podcast about having goals and setting goals and knowing what your intention is for training. And yeah, again, Jordan, you were t telling me, and Riz as well, like if you want to get stronger, you're not doing those pieces. And those pieces are for people who have the strength mm -hmm. and they're trying to build their cardio fitness. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, what about you, Jordan? I feel like I've learned everything I know from you. So, I mean, I was just trying to give you like the benefit of my experience and because I've been doing CrossFit for 
such a long time, like 10, 10 years. Um, my first CrossFit Open was back in 2013. This year when you – yeah. <laughs> like, it, I, like, I, like I was doing when it – you told me that, I was like – Yeah. You're like, you're like, why aren't you a lot better than you are? But anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, like I've been doing CrossFit for so long that people would ask you what you do for fitness and you'd say CrossFit and you'd really have to explain it to people. I feel like now at least people, if they haven't done it before, they've seen it and they know names like Matt Fraser or like Tia Toomey. They, it's sort of in the public eye. But back then it was so it was so raw that my first CrossFit gym, we actually didn't own barbells for the first six months that I was there. So I don't even know if you could call it CrossFit. We were swinging kettlebells. We were running. We were doing war balls. We had one rower. So you couldn't do that in a workout because there'd be 20 people there. So you're not sure. So we did so much running. It was it was CrossFit like in its sort of purest sense, but it was like it wasn't any of the fancy stuff. It was like constant surprises of like, here's a new movement. Oh, this is also CrossFit. This is also CrossFit. And uh, yeah, it was it was pretty wild. But obviously because there are so many different movements and things and there's so much to learn, you get stuck in that trap of getting addicted to it for sure. And I like when I first started, I was doing it. I was doing it like six days a week. And then I was such a frother that I started cleaning the gym on a Sunday for my membership so that I could do a training session on Sunday as well. I did not know what? that. Okay, you take the cake for all the times that you bagged me out. Oh you were my worse. God, you were yes. way worse. <laughs> I was so bad. And But the thing is... Like anyone who knows me knows that I'm not good at cleaning. Like I did not deserve that job. I was I had a mop and I was just moving dirt around the gym and I was arranging the kettlebells. Jordan makes mess. She doesn't clean it. I'm a fucking like chalk monster if ever there was one. Um, so mostly I was probably cleaning up my own mess, but in an official way. And yeah, but I would do that just because I just wanted to be in the gym. Like now it's so funny because same as you, Britt, like if I had to go into the gym on Sunday, it'd feel mentally like, oh, I don't want to be here today because I want to not be here today so that I'm keen to be here tomorrow. Whereas at that time, I just wanted to be at the gym as much as I possibly could. There was one time where I did two back-to-back classes because I thought the workout was just so cool that I had to do it again. Like I had a problem. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And but then I went from doing that for a couple of years while I was studying because you can do, you know, you have a bit more time up your sleeve while you're studying to then I, you know, I moved to a different place um, in New Zealand and I was working and I couldn't just drop into the gym, you know, whatever time I wanted because I was a new member. So it was I was limited to class times and I went from training, yeah, like six to seven days a week to three if I was lucky I'd get like a fourth training session in and all my numbers started to go up like I'd been stuck at a bit of like you know steady improvements but like at a plateau with some things and then all of a sudden I was PRing a lift like every week my strength was like really improving I wasn't dropping like any fitness of anything I was like going harder and that I think just came from actually giving my body a chance to recover integrate the changes and and you know then I just found, yeah, it was crazy. I'm like, oh, rest. There might actually be something to this. I feel like that's wild too because you're being super humble. You're like, I was studying, but studying to be a chiropractor isn't exactly, you know, just a 
Uh, I can say it because I did one, a Bachelor of Arts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you they would be mentally taxing outside of the gym as well. So um, that's so interesting. Yeah, I guess I'd, I would either get up early, go to the gym, and then I'd be at college like all for the whole day basically. And at this time I was doing just as much hot yoga as I was CrossFit. So I was actually doing, um, I was exercising twice a day. What? What? You did yoga? Yeah, hot yoga. So much. Well, this would have been like 2014. So you're the OG yoga girl. OG yoga girl. This was circa, yeah, 2013, (laughs) 2014. No. So I think I can, I think I can basically remember my schedule. So I used to do um, evening CrossFit Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So those were the days that I do yoga in the morning. And then I do strength club, which was like barbell club on Tuesday, Thursday morning. So I do yoga in the evenings. And then I think I do, I do CrossFit in the morning and then power vinyasa in the afternoon on a Saturday. And then I just do a yin yoga on a Sunday. Sorry, wait, wait, wait a second. You were doing hot yoga six times. You're doing it every day. Yeah. Were you not severely dehydrated? <laughs> Honestly, I've never looked worse as well. Like that's like yeah, that's the depressing say. thing. <laughs> like that's the depressing thing as well is that I was like I was exercising so hard, right? Like I'd be like yeah, I was just so tired and then I wasn't sleeping a lot. So I was like I think I weighed like six or seven kilos more than I weigh now. Like I was exercising so much, but not sleeping very much. And I was like, and I was fluffy for sure. You know, it mm. like, it wasn't paying off. Because your body was in constant stress. Exactly. Exactly. But I don't know. I think a lot of people go through this. Like I, and it, and from the outside now, it like, it looks so crazy. But when you're in it, I don't know, you're just like, you're enjoying it. You like it. You think that more is better more is more you know and I had to really live it to to like to yeah understand it and now I'm a really big preacher of when I see other people doing that I'm like I know you want to be good right now I know you want to be stronger but like that's not the way to do it I can tell you I've tried that way and it did not work did you have people at the time telling you stop like Riz and I spoke about this in our first episode so many people would tell us like you're doing too much and now we're like oh we wish I had to listen did you have people around you being like it's too much I had a couple of friends so most people were training CrossFit as much as I was in terms of like the people that I was CrossFitting with and that I was friends with we were all CrossFitting like pretty much the same amount um, they weren't doing the yoga, but then I had friends from Cairo school that were yogaing just as much and they weren't doing CrossFit. And I guess this is just classic, my personality, like don't want to miss out or, you know, just want to be social and spend time with everyone and don't want to pick between this and that. So I'm like, you know what, I'll do both. Um, but th- I had these two friends who at the time, um, were like very into paleo, but paleo as the philosophy as well. So also that kind of primal way of training, which was just like we sprint one day, we lift heavy things the other days and, you know, we get plenty, like plenty of rest. And two of my friends actually sent me this, um, probably it was a podcast. I don't know. It was an audio recording um, of this guy talking about cortisol and talking about, you know, like how you basically when you're all in a constant state of stress how you actually don't get any better and you know you need more sleep and every everything that I preach now was basically 
they sent this to me in, in an audio file and it talked about how you actually won't lose weight, you'll gain weight. And it's like I listened to it and I heard it, but I was just like, oh, yeah, not for me though. And ignored it and just kept doing what I was doing anyway. But in hindsight, yeah, probably should have listened to my friends, Brian and Taya. Shout out to Vancouver, Canada. What people don't understand from being a yoga teacher as well, um, how intensive, especially Vinyasa is, I think Vin is uh, Vin or Yin Yoga is the only one that you could kind of supplement with your CrossFit training because it's literally just lying in stretches and allowing your body to release. But it took me a long time as well to realize, especially if you're working with your breath, your body is working so hard doing yoga. And so I get actually really defensive when people are like, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to yoga for recovery. It's like for a lot of people that's, and especially if you're doing hot yoga, that's a freaking workout. It was power vinyasa too. It was just push-ups. Yeah, exactly. There's this thing called power <laughs> yoga. That's not actually yoga. It's just doing things that you should be doing in the gym, not in yoga. And I've even forgotten what the flow is called now. You know, the, the sun salutation where you go down through the plank to the push-up. Mm-hmm. People wanted to do like five push-ups there. And I'm like, well, go yeah. and do Cindy. Don't yeah. do <laughs> the sun salutations, you know. Yeah. Um, but going back to your body composition, this is something that, uh, you've, Riz, you said a little while ago. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or like just in our regular chats. But you're training less than you ha- ever have before, but your body composition is the best it's ever been. Um, so I feel like my, um, training thing has kind of gone in waves. Like I have this bad habit of like becoming very obsessed with the things that I do. And so, um, there was, you know, my journey kind of started when I was bodybuilding. I did, you know, became very obsessed. I did bodybuilding competitions and then I got down to 9% body fat. And then basically I kind of came out of that. And that was that point where I started CrossFit and I looked like I'd never trained a day in my life. Um, and I started the intensity of CrossFit and I was at first I had would only had about time to do like three sessions a week because I had work and I saw my body composition change. So I like, I dropped a lot of body fat. I started to look good again. And so in my head, I'm like, Oh, this is CrossFit. Like it's, you know, this is the reason why I'm, uh, you know, my body's starting to change back. And then I started training to be competitive in CrossFit. And instead of training three times a week, I started training twice a day and I was training for two hours a day and I was doing cardio in the morning and strength at night or vice versa. And again, my body composition got pretty shit. And I was like looking at all of these other athletes that were training and eating and doing the same things that I was. And I was like, you know, five or six or, you know, 10% body fat heavier than they were. And I just couldn't understand. And I mean, I had underlying issues. So I had polycystic ovaries and endometriosis, which played a huge, uh, well, had a huge impact on on those things, obviously, because they're hormonal issues and it, it can cause a lot of like distress in the body. Um, and so uh, when I was doing all of this competing, I was so fatigued, but then I went on like a journey of like trying to fix my polycystic ovaries and endometriosis without having to have like, I guess, like medical intervention. It was more like a diet change. And that kind of like triggered me on like the whole journey of changing the way that I trained and like looking at how your body responds to certain things and, you know, how that can affect like your body composition. And so it was kind of at that point where after I had, you know, given 
100% of my effort to trying to be competitive in CrossFit and I stepped away from that kind of intensity, I started weightlifting and I was just doing like five strength sessions a week and I felt a hundred times better. I felt like I had way more like energy. I had way more ability in my sessions. Um, and again, my body composition just completely changed. So I went from being really fluffy and feeling like I was, you know, just not representing the way that I trained to feeling awesome. I, you know, probably dropped down maybe three or 4% body fat. I felt great and I was eating heaps and training really hard and it was super awesome. And then again, just kind of progressively over the, like the last two or three years, you know, I've really like learn how to kind of cycle through my training and like there'll be periods of time where I definitely have more training or I'm training for something in particular and it's a little bit harder um and I just try and dial my recovery and way more for that um but I mean now same thing I'm the strongest the probably the fittest and the leanest that I've been for a very long time and I train like four maybe five times a week and I don't do any cardio I feel like a lot of people's story would resonate with yours, but what do you say to the people who, like, I've been that person and it sounds like Jordan's been that person too, but they come into CrossFit and they see someone like you, Riz, who can do everything. So it's like, yeah, it's okay for you to train four days a week when you've got all these skills, when you're fit and you're strong, but they're like, I want to get good at everything straight away. And so they think that they need to train six, seven days a week to be able to catch up. Uh, it's hard. It's hard. It's always like you have those conversations. I have, I reckon I have that conversation daily with people about wanting to do more and wanting to get this and, you know, wanting, they're like, Oh, I want to do PT so I can get better. And I'm like, do you know what you need to do? You just need to do the classes for a year, do the classes for a year, get really consistent with doing that. And then in a year's time, evaluate where your skill level is and where your strength level is. And if there's like a big hole or a big gap, if there's one thing in particular, like maybe it's your gymnastics, then maybe on top of your four to five days of CrossFit, which if you're in a good gym and it's programmed well, you should not be like overloading yourself if you were to train the five days a week. If you have like 20 extra minutes before or after one class, then you can spend 20 minutes twice a week working on the skill that you need to work on but the thing is crossfits and jordan again you can probably attest to this it's just it's almost just time in the game it's like you can go through periods of time where you spend you know yeah you do double sessions for six months and you might not see any difference or you might see a little bit of difference but if you just if you just stick at it and you just keep showing up each day and you keep doing those little things every single day or, you know, like I said, you pick twice a week where you do 20 minutes extra work. That's when you're going to see like the real magic. It's when you try and do too much that you just don't get anything from it. Nothing replaces just time and consistency. And at the end of the day, not a very popular answer, but patience you know you just have to stay the journey and just keep doing all the things and honestly you just have to keep showing up and wait it out it's part of the appeal is the Mm. challenge and of course I've always there's always been goals of mine to be able to do this or to be able to do that Um, but it's kind of come in like waves of priority like I and I've seen so many people come into the gym 
and go really, really hard and get quite good quite fast, but then injury or burnout or boredom or they're on to the next shiny thing. And mm. I've been in the game for 10 years and the amount of people that I've seen come in and just have so much potential and then literally just combust on fire and then you never see them again that like I can't even count how many people that's been and you can and I can almost pick the personalities now and I just see them rock up to the gym and I was like she won't be here in six months he won't be here in six <laughs> months you know it's just <laughs> did you think that about either of us when you met us Jordan um you know Brittany you're a real you're just a constant surprise you're just um <laughs> <laughs> Yes, without saying yes. Um, I've gotten out of this habit and I feel like it's thanks to you, Jordan, so I'm going to get you to talk about it first. But what do you guys think about this active recovery craze? So you see it on social media and I was going to say everything that you two both just said, um, a big part of it as well is not looking at what other people are doing on social media. So you've Mm -hmm. got to remember that these elite athletes who are showing you their crazy pieces, like you said, Jordan, they've been doing it for 10 years most of them scroll yeah. back they were at regionals mm, 2010 yeah. you know and so exactly they've they've got all of these years of conditioning so they can train for a little bit longer than say your regular athlete but now everyone is posting up i love it it's like on a thursday went uh, swam three k's and then went into the gym and did you know my 3000 meters on the ski followed by intervals on the bike hashtag active recovery like mind blown that's so much work oh my god what do you guys think about active recovery so i always joke um that my active recovery because one of my rest days is thursday and that's because it's just handy that that's on the program but that's always been my rest day because i work a double shift that day so i i work in the morning for five hours go home for lunch work in the afternoon for five hours and it is not worth getting up at five o'clock in the morning to go train and then standing up for 10 hours. So I'm like, oh yeah, I I take two rest days Thursday. I I active recovery by standing up and bending over for 10 hours. Um, And then on Sundays, I just fucking lay down. (laughs) But I think that that's a really good point that your rest day is tailored around your life in terms of like people who are shift workers like maybe look at it doesn't have to be this bi- biblical Monday to Wednesday we train and on Thursday it's the Sabbath. Like you know it doesn't yeah. have to necessarily be the 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 one that we all use. That's mm-hmm. a really good example of um, yeah tailoring it around tailoring your training around your life. I know Riz, you have a different schedule. Sometimes I see you training on Sundays and I'm like, what is she doing? It's the international rest day. <laughs> it's just put put your legs down on Sunday. Um, yeah, I mean, I a probably similar approach to Jordan, and I feel like my schedule's kind of ever changing. Being a trainer, I can go from being like, oh, tomorrow I've got two sessions to tomorrow I have eleven sessions. I don't know what you know. So for me, I spoke about I did a post about this the other day. You kind of have to be okay with training whenever. So if I've got to train on a Sunday while I don't want to, or if I can avoid it, I will. You know, you have to be okay with 
putting yourself into a situation that you're probably not also like feeling like super confident or comfortable with because when life does get in the way or things do get in the way you know you know we might go away for Friday Saturday Sunday so what does that mean I you know means that I have to train on a Monday when I probably sometimes usually wouldn't because it's one of my busiest days so I think being adaptable in that kind of way has been very beneficial for me, but that's again, mostly because of the type of life I have and my work schedule and having to have that flexibility. Also I train for probably longer than, you know, just an hour at a time. So I have to pick a time in my day where I've got more than just one hour to train. It normally takes between two and two and a half hours. And so I just I find the most optimal time for that and I will take that time um it's does you know not everybody has that luxury so uh I'm very grateful that I get to do that but yeah I think I try not to get myself hung up on being like I have to train on Monday I have to train on Tuesday and then I rest on Wednesday and then because it doesn't always happen like that for me when it comes to programming do you program 7,000 meters on the road for your clients active recovery day never do that um i don't care if it's even for the elite guys because anything is it a dick swing it is it's a i think uh, i sometimes yeah. think that too like it's like when you put up a, my body doesn't need a break yeah like if you put up a really hard workout it'd be you know like 10 bar muscle-ups into a thousand cows on the row into some heavy thrusters and then sometimes people yeah they're like hashtag active recovery and is it like you're so good that my mm. workout is your warm-up like is that what mm. people are trying to do I think some sometimes people literally think it's active recovery doing you know like an hour emom you know at what they'd consider a steady pace they're like active recovery and I'm like mm, no that's just kind of like training a grindy kind of like consistent pace but I guess sure hashtag active recovery because you're that fucking good no worries the active recovery that's always programmed for us on a Thursday is either swimming, which I, f- I can understand why that would be active recovery because it's like not on your job. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that though. Like for me, swimming you, and or for you, nas- old national swimmer, you'd be all right. But for old Jordan over here, don't love swimming. Can't swim. Yes, you can. No, she can't. Rihanna and I did a, a partner comp together that had an 11 minute AMRAP of just swimming in it. And I did one lap to her four. And then one time she was like, you're going to need to do two laps because she was getting tired because she'd done 50 million meters. And I'd done like a hundred <laughs> at that stage. And the pool luckily was so shallow. And I was so tired from doing my one <laughs> lap that I walked to the middle of the pool. And then I only swam swam like the 12 and a half meters to the end because I was like I can't I can't counts in CrossFit (laughs) (laughs) it actually did they gave us that lap for the athletes who swimming isn't too crazy like I can understand why that would be active recovery and also Mm -hmm. there's often a workout sorry I don't want to say workout programmed but it's like 45 minutes of being on a machine but in the notes it actually says like your heart rate shouldn't get up over like a six Mm. out of ten effort Mm -hmm. you and so any days that I do it I actually love it like I literally sit there someone will come over and talk to me and I'm like talking back um Mm -hmm. but I feel a little bit sweaty and then I go you know you leave and you actually don't feel like you've done anything that's a flush out though yeah, that's that's a nice flush out for the legs. Yeah. The whole point of active recovery, right, is that it is 
something for you to do where you get blood moving through your body and you are able to kind of get rid of any kind of tightness or stiffness and you feel good and it's about movement it's not about intensity and it's not about duration so a lot of the time Mm -hmm. you know when if I've ever given someone active recovery it's get out of the gym go outside take your dog for a walk do something where you're moving you're outside you're in the sunshine you're not in the gym you do like you're recovering being the main priority but you're being active and moving your body while you do it you should put that in a dictionary. Yeah. That, that like is the that. definition of active recovery. You are recovering, but yeah. also being active. Yeah. Trademark. <laughs> Rian Russo coach. <laughs> but I feel like this is where, you know, that whole, the whole concept gets lost. And it's like, you, we don't take, we don't take the recovery portion of what we're trying to do seriously. And we're trying to make recovery, uh, make activity look easy when that's not what it is. Like the prime, the, the primary word in that is recovery, you know, and you cannot, I don't, I actually don't care how fit you are. I don't care how long you've been doing something for doing a 40 minute EMOM is not recovering you. Do you know what I mean? You're working under a time constraint. You're putting intensity and attention into each minute and then you're doing it for a really long fucking time. That's not like even the only time you could do a 40-minute EMOM would be is if you sat on a machine only, so a bike, a row or a ski and your heart rate didn't elevate past 120. And that's like doing eight or nine, maybe even – like max 10 calories not miko's freaking triangle also it's probably (laughs) not it's probably closer to five or six calories and you would be better off just going outside for a walk i was just gonna say um and if you're the kind of person that doesn't know how to tone down the intensity like once you get going that you get carried away then just don't you know that's what i struggle with yeah like i feel like i'm on the assault bike come on just push a little bit hard just a little bit harder Mm mm-hmm that's, it's, it's really like, no. hard to, to dial it back. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think that if you're going to sit on a bike and, and then old Brittany is going to come out and take over and you're going to start to like <laughs> sprint on the thing, then you're better off just sitting down and putting your feet up and calling it active recovery, you know? How do you, this is probably more a question for you, Jordan, but how do you go taking unplanned rest days? So say, you know, every week you train Monday to Wednesday and Thursday, but like say on Tuesday you – are not feeling great and you wake up on Wednesday and you're like I'm still not good do you still go to the gym and do your session do you want the real answer yes <laughs> I feel like so this is one of those moments where if I was in practice I'd give a disclaimer where I'd be like this is Jordan talking not Dr. Jordan chiropractor talking don't take this advice seriously um, because me I just go and I do it anyway unless I'm on my deathbed like I'll go and I'll do it to the best of my ability for the day. So I'll just, I'll just tone it down. So if there's, I'm not going to go 110% on a workout. If I'm feeling shitty, I'll, I'll tone it down and I'll, and I'll do it, but I'll do it at, you know, 70%, 80% effort. And I'll just, I'll just, I'll more moderate what my effort is in doing the session. Okay. Got a confession. So 
I, I rested on Thursday, right? That's my usual rest day. Um, but I did contemplate how maybe I could exercise on Thursday to make up for the fact that I'm not exercising Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And Oh, the, I do at, that on the reg. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I could go to the gym at five and I could train from five till seven to get my session in. And then I could go, I could shower at the gym and I could go straight from gym to the work so that I could start work at, at eight. And then sure, I'd be really, really fucking tired. But like, you know, then I've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. So, you know, like, what does it matter? But then now, you know, rationality kicks in. And I remember that I've got a lot of people to adjust on Thursday and I'm not a professional athlete. So I just took my usual day on Thursday. But then when I was looking at the program, I opened it up and Friday's workout is just shuttle runs and um, devil's press. And my first thought... Uh, don't is, say just. Oh, it, it looked sucked. horrendous. It looked horrendous. <laughs> but it's not like you need a rig and it's not like you need a barbell. And it, you know what I mean? And I was like, how perfect. And then I mentioned this to Sam and... She looked at, she gave me the look, which was like, you're being fucking crazy. And she was the like, same look that Riz is giving you right now. <laughs> exactly. And she's like, she's like, you're going to take dumbbells to the island. And I'm like, yeah. And then I just thought about running on the sand and doing devil's press on the sand. And I just thought, you know what, knowing me, I'd fucking like just do my Achilles or something and it just wouldn't even be worth it. I was like, just take the rest days, just fucking deep breath, deep breath, take the rest day and like, you'll be okay. Your fitness will still be there on Monday. It's fine. Take a little break, take a little break. But my first thought is always crazy. I have a question for you. Why do you guys go to that place? Why do you like Brit? Why do you go to that place? Why do you immediately go? Oh my God, I have to figure out a way to get my training in. Like what? Because for me, in my head, I will go, it's fine. I'm like, it's just one day I've done as much load as I can. I've lifted as much weight as I can this week or I've done that X amount of training. I'm only technically going to miss one and a half sessions. So it's not really that big a deal. I made sure I got like a component of each of my ching. Like, you know, I ra- like for me, the the while I'm like, I would love to train, I'm also not like, oh my God, I need to figure out when I can fit all of my training in. Like what sends you to that place? Hearing you ask that question is like, (laughs) I feel like I'm in therapy right now. (laughs) Why do I? It it doesn't make sense to, to me, but it's almost like I feel like if I miss that session, I'm going to miss the gains of the whole program because they've programmed all of these sessions in the week. But the more and more I spend the time, like the the things that I skip or the time that I spend resting, I realize I'm coming more around to the, to the thought pattern that you have, Riz. And I think that's also Mm. time. And I'm realizing that, you know, if you do a squat program and you miss one session, it's ruined. It's ruined. Or like I used to think that, you know, if um, in week three you had to hit three by five at 80% and I missed the last one of the last set, I'm done. Like I, it sounds really silly, but when you're not, um, when you haven't grown up around um, fitness or programming, you don't really understand that there's no perfect program or there's no silver bullet or there's no perfect way to do it. And so you don't kind of like, it. it's very logical hearing you say that like that, that, you know, taking a day off doesn't, doesn't hurt the process, but you kind of have to learn that for yourself. And I'm only just yeah. learning that now. And I'm grateful that I'm learning the lesson, but 
yeah I think that that's what goes through my head it's like if you miss this one session like you're gonna miss or what if that's the one session where it clicks and you missed it you know like they're stupid things I'm glad I'm saying it out loud so if there's someone out there listening as well who's thinking the same things I want to be like Let's learn from this together and walk out of therapy and change. <laughs> because that's, I asked the question because, you know, I see you two guys struggle with it in particular, but you guys aren't the only ones. So many people feel that way. I have yeah. clients constantly all the time that are like, I missed that training session. Does that mean I'm going to have to start again? And I'm like, whoa, no, not at all. Like, you know, even I remember having a conversation with Jordan, we were doing a squat program and she was like, I cannot do three like or it was maybe it was me or something it was a there was a weight and it was like is it better to just do three singles very close together and still lift the load or to not do the set because you can't do the three unbroken what's more important right what's more important is that you lift the load and I think we came to the conclusion that load is load basically whether or not you do three singles at like 105 or whatever and as opposed to doing like the three reps unbroken, like obviously if you can do it unbroken, you do it unbroken. But if you can't, you do a single, you know, re-rack it, take a few breaths, do another single. And at the end of the day, you still got the same amount of load through your legs. You're still on track for the program. It's better probably than taking 10 kilos off gains wise. Yeah. And it's like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? It, it makes so much sense when you say it out loud. And so you just saying it out loud then I'm like, yeah, that, that makes so much sense. But it's just time and it's just experience and realizing sometimes the time that you spend out of the gym. And if there's anyone out there as well who's the seven a day right now, like I'm, I'm here to hold your hand. Like it's, it's yeah. actually hard. And sometimes it's harder to take the rest days than to go into the gym. <laughs> like once an addict, always an addict. That's like that sort of thing, you know, because as I was describing before my process of looking at the program for Friday and being like, oh my God, I could do that at the island. I saw Rianne's eyes got wide like she was looking at me like you're fucking crazy whereas Brit's eyes also got wide but she was looking at me like genius you could totally do that at the beach I was like did you check like, the dumbbells yeah so Brittany was fully expecting me to be like so anyway I finished it nine minutes on the sand shuttle runs were maybe a little you. bit slower yeah and sure I got a bit dirty but I got it done whereas Rianne was like have you been hiding the dumbbells in your bag like are you planning on doing this later like what is wrong with you and I just like the two different reactions it's just but Brit and I come from that place of like I don't know that yeah once an addict always an addict once an addict always an addict like and now I I still it's not that I don't have those thoughts anymore and it's not that I don't still want to be that person that just trains all the time and goes too hard and fucking froth all over the place it's just that I have that benefit of experience that I don't let those thoughts actually get carried away and I don't let those thoughts turn into actions Jordan do you know that all I could as soon as you said that I just imagine me Matt and Sam sitting up on the balcony drinking our coffee looking at you do this workout like what were you thinking that would never happen I would be like you're not doing this workout right now put the dumbbells down get back up here we're having coffee but in my mind I'd be like they'll they'll they're they're judging and they'll make fun of me but really they're secretly impressed like (laughs) you'll be looking down on me you'll be like look at her go she's just is she touching going those devil's press oh she's not even stopping I was gonna ask you guys obviously follow the prepared program 
how does he structure deload weeks into what you're doing? Because I know that you guys do definitely have deload weeks at some point. Um, I feel like I'm like, oh, you guys deloading? I'll jump in on what you're doing. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, how do you feel like has that been a new concept to you guys since starting the prepared program? Or is that something that you've done prior to that? Like what, you know, how do you feel about those deloads? It's only really come in since the quarterfinals, hey? Like that we do three so, weeks on, one week off? No, actually, like it's always been the case since the beginning, but Phil has always programmed it as he's like optional deload week, depending on how you're feeling. And Brittany and I are always like, feeling good, keep going. Remember that? You good? Yeah. And it would be the same, remember, but it would be like, if you're deloading, this is the weight you should use. If you're not deloading, then this is the weight you should use. And we're always like, fucking all the plates, baby. Like, <laughs> let's just hit our normal weight today. <laughs> but the moral of the story is we've gotten better at deloading. And so I think since have the quarterfinals. Yeah. No, we have. No, we have. We really since, have. Yeah. So since the quarterfinals, we actually kind of do a three-week on, one-week off. And the one-week off, definitely, if anyone else kind of watched the volume that we're doing, like it's still a lot of volume, but I feel like the loads on the barbells definitely decrease. And I feel like at the end of that deload week, I feel refreshed because it's things like we're doing uh, – um, at the moment, we're not doing that much cardio or that much um, – that many metcons but in that week we'll do a lot more metcons and a lot less lifting so i feel like a, a lot less taxing on your cns it's not like he's putting 110 kilo deadlifts in the middle of that deload I mean week that yeah for sure i think the i i think when it comes to deload it, deload always looks different for a lot of people and um it's not always some people can you know do a lot more reps and still feel okay some people can do a little bit more weight with less reps and feel good i think a deload is like people are it's not a rest week and that's what that we need to kind of understand and this is why like the rest days are important is it's because you don't get through you don't do three weeks of really hard work and then have a week rest it's like no 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 you kind of choose your intensity in which you're going to decrease whether that's weight or volume or whatever and you reduce it for a week in order for your cns and your body to kind of get back to like a level playing field recover a little bit in order to kind of adapt and push past that next boundary and um i think you know this is where we have those like confusions where people are like, oh, well, you know, I don't really need to rest two days a week because I have a whole rest week coming, you know, block like week four of my training block. And it's like, that's not how it works. So you're just being mindful of when you're deloading and when you're doing all of those kinds of things to remember that it's not a complete week off. You kind of need to choose your way in which you reduce like your training, whether that's, yeah, the difficulty. And this is how, you know, I mean, this is why it makes it really confusing. And if you don't have a good training program to follow, and if you don't have, um, you know, good coaches who you can kind of communicate those with, it makes that progress really hard. And it makes that kind of adaption really hard. But I do think it's so important to have those deload weeks because it does help you adapt and it does help you push past that kind of that barrier where you've been at, you've, you know, pushed that intensity for three weeks, 
you have that like slight deload and then you're like renewed a little bit and you increase that weight or you increase that intensity and you can push a little bit harder again. How often do you take a deload week? Do you program them for yourself? Yeah, every four weeks. So I'll have a deload and and this is people always like, but you're lifting 90% in your deload. Yeah, but normally in a regular training like cycle and like say week three when I'm at the end, I might be doing 13 sets of clean and jerks building up to 90 kilos. I'm 90%, sorry. And I might have like three sets at 80%, two sets at 85% and then two singles at 90%. Whereas in my deload, I might do six sets and I build up and I'll do 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 and that's it. So my reduction often doesn't come in weight, it comes in volume. Um, and that's what I was explaining before is it, it looks different kind of your deloads kind of always look different depending on who you are and what your training history has been like and what your, you know, where you're at in your training life as well. So, um, yeah, but I do one every four weeks. So like my fourth week of my training program is a deload. What do you guys do to recover? Like me personally, like just doing less is good recovery. Um, but here I also try and like sauna three times a week for 20 minutes. Do you guys use recovery tools that help you? I mean, there's so many on the market at the moment. What do you guys believe in or what works for you guys? I mean, our current recovery routine was uh, curated by Jordan. So I'll let her give you the rundown of what we do because I just jumped in on this bandwagon. You took my place. I used to love going every Sunday. (laughs) So I think there was about a three-week period between – when you and Luke left where Sam and I decided that we weren't going to go to recovery anymore. So recovery basically is this place where we go and we do a 30 minute sauna and then we do 30 minutes of, um, you know, hot, cold, um, you know, cold exposure therapy, um, bouncing between the ice bath and the warm spa bath. And yeah, we do that every Sunday with Britt and Luke. Britt and Luke definitely got us into it. Um, and then we decided that it wasn't as fun without you guys, so we, we didn't go. And then Matt decided that um, he would gra- you know, just graciously take that place, and then we got back on that bandwagon. And I reckon it makes a massive difference. I can, I can really tell the difference going into Monday, the weeks that I do it versus the weeks that I don't do it, that's for sure. Did you notice a difference too, Riz? A hundred percent. So much. Like, I have... Um, I'm old. I'm old and I got old joints. <laughs> my knees hurt. My like, you know, I found that the just like the re- like the reduction in what felt like inflammation in my joints after lifting a lot of load during the week, um doing that kind of hot cold therapy just made me feel so much better come Monday. I miss the cold. I actually think the cold is a lot that like that hot cold therapy the sauna's great mm. but i really miss like a good cold ice bath and when we first moved here we'd jump in the pool outside when it was only when it was still winter here and so that was tough so it probably would have been like 15 degrees but it's still not as cold and that cold that cold bath after the sa- sauna after the sauna, sauna. there's nothing sauna. like yeah the sauna there's nothing like it. it there's nothing like it and i don't know about you guys but that mental side of the ice bath too like learning, uh, it's hard. It's oh my really God, hard. it's so hard. I, that, this would, that's one thing that I'm, and this is where people are like, aren't you a swimmer? Like, aren't you used to getting into a pool? 
Oh my God. The worst thing about being a swimmer was getting into the pool in winter. I hated it. I've like got PTSD from it. And so every single time I get into that ice bath, I feel like I'm dying. I feel like I'm dying inside. But I have to admit, there was like maybe like two months. It was like two months where we were going every Sunday. I got way better and I got to the point where I could open my hands under the water so I could starting I couldn't even put my hands in the water I was so bad I couldn't put my hands in the water and then I got to a point where I could like take my hands I had my hands under my armpits I started there and then I eventually got to a point where I could have my hands open in the water but I just I struggle so much with that cold therapy it's not even funny so I feel like yeah, it definitely helped with that kind of like mental toughness too because it was just next level for me. And maybe I'm a baby, but I struggled. And are you guys still doing this? So a lot of people ask, oh, you know, what's the best way to do it? Um, so spend how many degrees the water is. So say the water is 12 degrees. That's how much time you want to spend in the ice bath. So it doesn't matter whether you do like three bouts of four minutes or six bouts of two minutes you always start and end on the cold but you're just adding up that time is that what you guys still do yeah definitely I think that that's the best way to do it for sure you can do it for longer like you always see those people when we get up and we're doing our intervals of three minutes or two minutes or whatever it is that day they'll just be in the ice bath for the entire time we'll have jumped in and out you know, four times and they're just still in the ice bath and they must be doing like a continual 10 minutes or a continual 16 minutes or something. And I think once you hit that amount of minutes that equals the amount of degrees, you've gotten all the benefits that you're going to get from that experience and any extra is just basically meant like mental toughness. Sure. Definitely. But the physical benefits of like improving um, like your immune system function and the actual recovery that you get and the effect that you get on your sort of autonomic nervous system. I think that you hit a bit of a ceiling once you've achieved like that target sort of amount of minutes and anything after that's just, just you doing you champion. You do you good. Uh, a good segue. Um, I was going to say, finally, Riz, do you have a lot of people ask you? So uh, clients will often say to me, so, so do I need to be going to the sauna too? Do I need to be? No. no. I don't think everyone needs to be doing like all of these crazy protocols. I do it because I enjoy it and I feel mm. good, but I don't think – and also um, – like I, I'm not pumping up any of our own tires, but we do train more than say your regular gym goer. Mm. So we're kind of looking for those little one percenters. I definitely don't think someone who's going to the gym five days a week, um, doing the classes and maybe even a little bit of extra on the outside. Like I, I don't think there's necessarily, I don't think you need to be tracking your recovery or doing anything special. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, I agree. I think um, I think the main things to always remember are eat enough, drink enough water, and sleep enough. And if you're doing those things right, nine times out of ten, that's going to be like enough for most people. Um, you obviously start to get an increase in your training, then you want to try and maximize your recovery as much as you possibly can. So you start looking at it, bringing in different things like the hot and cold therapy, the sauna, you know, all of those things. Yeah, but for most people, like you said, drink a little water sleep a little more that that sleep is the most underrated recovery tool I think that's that's number one for sure definitely that's the big game changer I think mm. just start there I think too many people try and yeah like they, they'll see what you're doing they'll be like oh 
Brittany's so awesome. You know what she does? She saunas. I need to be saunering. And but also, do you know what also Brittany's doing? Going to bed at nine o'clock, sleeping for nine hours and getting that getting that sweet, uh, sweet rest. Eight thirty. I thought you were reading for like half an hour. It's giving you a little buffer. If eight o'clock is on the clock and I'm like still cleaning up from dinner, I'm like, I'm behind. I'm not gonna get my nine and a half. <laughs> hours and Riz is like you bitch I'm like I get five it won't be like that when I come back yeah it won't be like that when I come back that's why I'm just trying to like get get sleep in the bank you know even though it definitely doesn't work like that but I'm just trying to like get sleep in the bank um Jordan I wanted to quickly ask you we do a very delightful segment on this uh podcast and it is the gym fail segment I want to know what your best gym fail is. I was actually trying to think of what your gym fail is going to be. Because I feel like over the last couple of years, the three of us have spent a lot of time in the gym together. But I can't think of one. I reckon I have heaps. But for today, I'm going to pull one deep out of the vault, I reckon. And I'm going to go back to my very first CrossFit competition. Because this one is really, I just think, still... Still a bit of a, still a bit of a moment for me. That's for sure. Um, so I think it was the competition was at the end of 2013. So I've been CrossFitting for 12 months. But like I said, our our gym didn't even have barbells um, when I first started, and we weren't doing a lot of complicated gymnastic movements or anything like that. This is basically me just pre-framing why why I'd been doing CrossFit for 12 months and I was still so average. So that whole thing was just a big excuse. But basically, <laughs> I'll just I'll just fucking get to it. All right. So the workouts come out and we're in the scale division, by the way, obviously. Um, it's a team of four competition, two guys, two girls. Um, the workouts are released and it's the week before the competition and we find out that there's rope climbs in one of the workouts. And I have never touched a rope before in my life, neither had anybody else in my team, I'm pretty sure. So um, I think actually Ian, um, the gym owner, bought ropes purely so that we could practice for this comp. And we get together, you know, sort of midweek before the comp starts on the weekend to learn how to climb a rope. And, you know, naturally it's just sort of like, yeah, jump like this. You just kind of, you know, you do the bite like this, lock your legs off, and then. You know, so we jump up and we give it a go and I'm like, okay, like that's not too bad. I can do that. That's fine. Um, But we're doing it. It was literally, we just came into practice that didn't do anything else. So you're fresh, no fatigue and just learning how to climb a rope. And I was like, okay, I'll be able to do that in the competition. That's fine. The narrator, it wasn't fine. Um, Flash forward to... (laughs) Flash forward to Saturday afternoon workout number two Um, the workout from memory was, so it was the two girls do it together. There was a barbell complex that had, you know, forearm fatiguing things in it, like deadlifts, hang power cleans, whatever. And then you had to do a rope climb and one person had to complete the whole thing of that, tag the next person, they could go. You did as many rounds as you could in however much time there was. So the first round went, went pretty good as, as far as I can remember. I think it was round two and my forearms are fatigued, obviously. And there's two, there's two rules for a rope climb being a rope climb rep. It was that you have to um, touch the cross beam at the top of the rope and then you had to control your descent up until the line on the rope. So you had to get past that line before you kind of like let go and, and jumped off the rope. 
So I'm, I'm going up for rope climb number two and I'm like, oh, my arms are, are getting a bit tired. My arm, And then I get to the top and you had to like hold on with one arm and then you had to let go and you had to do a pretty big arm swing to touch the cross beam, which we didn't do at our gym because the rope just sort of like it ended. We didn't have to touch anything. So I let go with my arm to touch and I just start sliding uncontrolled down the rope I fall from the very top of the rope and I land luckily feet first I go bang with my feet and I go bang straight onto my back I'm laying cockroach style on my back and then the judge the judge leans over me arm swipes and goes no rep (laughs) did he check to see that you were alive he was like, he saw that I was like alive, but didn't be like, oh my God, are you okay? Just no rep. I'm like, fucking obviously, not only did I not make the touch before I plummeted, but also like I didn't control the descent. Clearly a fucking no rep. And my friend Alex, who is usually a very, very delightful person, except when she's competing in CrossFit and then she gets fiery Viking Norwegian style. She's like, you have to go again. It didn't count. You have to go again. It didn't count. So I like get up fucking just grab some chalk, dust it onto my hands and I and I go again. Exactly the same thing happens. I go for the touch and I immediately start plummeting down the rope, except this time I was like, oh, not today. So I squeeze my thighs around the rope, but I just, but I keep falling. So I ended up with rope burn on oh. both, both oh legs in the thigh and I... And I shredded my palm, absolutely shredded my palm, land on the ground again, fucking another arm swipe, no rep. And my friend Alex, she's even angrier this time. She was like, you have to go again so I can go. So I take a little bit of a break and then I go again and I eventually, I like, I made that rep. The rest of the workouts are blur. I don't think I got to go again after that because the time cap thankfully saved me. Why are they having rope climbs in a scale division though? Like... This is just a recipe for disaster. But obviously it was a great comp because the judge didn't even see if you were alive. It was a high, it was a high skill comp. It was a real doozy of like a first comp. That's for sure. You know what? I knew, I just, I knew what story you were going to, you were going to say as soon as you said that was your first comp. I remember you telling me this story, but also everyone a round of applause for Jordan's story, storytelling skills, because Everyone got every fact. They knew exactly what happened leading <laughs> up into that point. You gave us your full background. We got the whole thing. This is a strong thing. This is Jordan's storytelling skills. Uh, you'll never miss a fact. She'll give you every bit of detail. That we, I was trying so hard not to laugh. I was like, oh, my God. She's gone like two years prior to the competition. <laughs> I need you to be able to taste it. Tumbleweed, is anyone still out there listening? <laughs> is anyone still out there? <laughs> I think we might wrap that up there, hey? That was a whirlwind. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us, Jordan. It was so lovely to have you and to see your smiling face. I feel like all we ever talk about is programming. It's so much better to talk about actual things that we, you know, would talk about on a regular basis if I was at home. Mm. Yeah, like programming. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening, but be sure that you f- give us a follow. Make sure you head to at points of performance podcast on Instagram. That's where we're keeping everyone up to date. We release little clips and little funny bits and everything like that on there. So if you miss some stuff, um, it'll always be up there for you guys to check out. But, um, you know, 
remember, make sure you send those gym fails in. We do have a couple in the bank from some of our listeners as well. So guys, if you're sending them in, don't worry. We will get to them. They are coming. Keep sending them in. We love it. We also love it. A couple of people have been posting pictures of where they're listening to the podcast. So we'd love to see those. You can pop it in your story. Um, And it also really helps us if you give us a review. I mean, five stars if you like it. Maybe three if you think we need some improvement (laughs) and we'll uh, take that on board. (laughs) Uh, But it would be great that we could get the podcast and these conversations into more ears. So I guess until next week. Thanks, guys. Bye.